everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of Guardians of the Geek. I'm Keith. I'm Cameron. And I'm Brandon. Um, this is the podcast where we talk about uh, comic books, movies, all things geek and nerd. Um, so our first episode, we're getting into a couple news items up the front. Then we're going to get into our uh, segment called Off the Page, where we talk about adaptations of comic books to film, TV and movie. doesn't matter what kind of film. Um, and then at the end, we do a top five segment. So we're really excited about this podcast. You guys want to add anything? Literally so happy to be here. <laughs> we're waiting for this for a long time. It's a long time coming. Uh, it's going to be great. <laughs> All right. Ringing endorsements from both of you. All right. Welcome <laughs> to the episode. I hope you guys enjoy. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. I'm right. ready. Cool. Okay, we're recording whenever you guys Sweet. All right, well, guys, let's get started with some news, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds good. Um, we had some more details released on the new Green Lantern Earth One. Cam, are you pretty excited about this? Uh, yeah, just found out like five minutes ago this is happening. Um, I can, I'm definitely really excited because what they've done with the Earth One universe like so far has been really awesome. Again, one of my favorites that I'm really excited for Volume Three to come out is uh, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank's Batman Earth One. That uh, that honestly book is so good. And even one of my favorite panels is with Killer Croc on the Batman run. Super good. And uh, two years ago, they announced Wonder Woman Earth One by Grant Morrison. I haven't read it, but I can definitely vouch for it. I've heard it is so good, and especially with all the Wonder Woman news that's been coming up, it is. Or it, it's even it's an even bigger deal now. So the fact they got Green Lantern on this is awesome. Yeah, we got uh, some more news from BoundingtonComics.com. BoundingIntoComics.com. Um, the graphic novels uh, in the DC Comics Earth One line, Green Lantern Earth One, is going to be written by Karina Becco and Gabriel Hardman. Uh, they said the book will see Hal Jordan revamped as a scientist and astronaut who finds a power ring and sets off to restore the Green Lantern Corps, which were long ago extinguished by the Manhunters. Sounds pretty cool. Dang, that almost has like a Fantastic Four kind of vibe to it. A little bit, huh? Yeah, it's like journey into space. Like, yeah. well, And I, it's interesting because you see, um, especially this is movie, on the movie side, you see the success of things like Guardians of the Galaxy. You wonder mm. if DC's trying to push more of that mm, kind yeah. of space travel stuff. Yeah, for sure. To try to tap into that. But, I mean, again, the one of the criticisms of the DC side is it's often darker. So I wonder if they're yeah. going to add some levity to that. Who knows? And honestly, it's always a big hard sell on the cosmic cosmicy books. I think that's why Dr. Strange was such kind of a surprise success. Uh, and that's, and that's kind of where fantastic Four, the, the Josh Trank version kind of fell short is because they, they pushed too hard on interdimensional kind of stuff. And so, uh, it's really cool. And the third act was awful. Like I, I, I was looking at one of my favorite podcasts, and they, were, they said they walked out. And I was like, oh, my God. Well, Brandon and I saw it together, and we kind of looked over each other as soon as, like, it seemed like it was ending. We just kind of looked at each other like, that's it? I was like, <laughs> that was, yeah. 
like Miles Teller, I'm a huge fan of too. I know, so I'm too. really like and, and then Michael B. Jordan and Kate, Ma- like Lily yeah, Cast right. was on point and uh, yeah, sad. I mean, that happened. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, for people that, that don't wait, know, one one sorry, one quick. That was actually bleeding cool, not bounding in the comics. Oh, got it. Sorry. We just want to make sure we yeah, attribute it right. Source. So bleeding no. cool was the the source for the Green Lantern stuff. Uh, but for people that don't know, what's the premise of the of Earth One storylines? Um, very similar to the Ultimate Marvel Universe. Uh, it's it's a revamp, a more modern take, and they change several aspects uh, of the characters. And they're not fundamental aspects, but you find them to be uh, bigger, more interesting storytelling points. Like from the Batman one, it starts off, and one of the biggest points that Jeff Johns and Gary Frank uh, make is that his cowl. Uh, it's it, it's his eyes are wider, and they show his eyes so you can see more emotion, which is really interesting because usually with Batman you just get the, the the white triangles, and they really go out of their way not to do that. Uh, another example is this is where the first time I think you see Alfred not as the butler, he was a personal security guard for the Waynes, and that's the man who ends up raising Bruce, and so he's way more of a brute, which is pretty pretty interesting. You see yeah. a lot more interesting storytellings. Uh, Killer Croc in one of his moments becomes uh he's literally an urban myth who's afraid of batman he's like i just want people to leave me alone like mm-hmm. i'm just i'm doing my own thing and so uh there's also a great great panel where commissioner gordon like batman's terrible at his job unlike the frank miller year one batman where he's he's just in the midst of it and has it all figured out batman's stumbling and there's a great panel where commissioner gordon says uh uh, you're stepping on evidence. <laughs> and, and, and then Batman's like, uh, sorry. And then Commissioner Gordon says, you're not much of a detective, are you? And so... Wait, so you said it doesn't change a fundamental aspect, but isn't one of the original fundamental aspects is he's the greatest detective in the world? Yeah. Well, I said, it, it doesn't change like super fundamental. Like Alfred being the butler then to a bodyguard makes right. sense. But um, then you, you find out later that they do become more fundamental because it, it, you're it. right. He, he, Batman way more along the lines, like stumbles upon uh, his cases than he does like research and detect them. So he's less of a Sherlock Holmes type in this one. Yeah. He'll yeah. become a better detective, mm-hmm. but he's not starting out that way. It's, it's a journey. Yeah. Okay. And it, okay. yeah, it's really good. And then Wonder Woman, I, I honestly couldn't even tell you the Grant Morrison changes, but Grant Morrison is, is wild. So, well, the other thing I'm noticing here on this, on the article from the, for the Green Lantern Earth one is that it seems like there's going to be a little bit more interaction with the Manhunters? So I wonder if Martian Manhunter will become a bigger... Manhunters are a little different okay. than Martian Manhunter. Uh, he's from Mars, but uh, as far as I can recall, because I haven't read the Jeff Johns run, and mm-hmm. their, his run on Green Lantern really is, is, uh, sealed him as one of the best best writers DC has. Uh, the Manhunters are like, they have like white faces and red like bodies. They're okay. kind of weird looking, and I really have not read too much Green Lantern. Okay. So Martian Manhunters. I'm sorry for all different. of you who are screaming into the your phone or whatever. <laughs> Brandon and I are less well versed on <laughs> comics than Cameron. Oh, uh, so. we're not human encyclopedias. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They also have girlfriends. So <laughs> wives. Yeah, we wives. actually have wives. <laughs> we have wives. Yeah. Case in point. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to talk about Green Arrow, how your boy? Okay. <laughs> Uh, all right, well, moving on. Uh, we had an announcement this week that David Tennant is going to appear in season two of Jessica Jones. I'm actually really excited about this. I love yeah. David Tennant as an actor. Um, his Doctor Who was amazing. Um, and uh, going a little on the nerdier, my uh, era of nerdy, area of nerdy, he was a great Hamlet. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited about this. Yes. Uh, and his character in the first episode of Jessica Jones, like every time I was watching it and he was in the scene or in the in the episode, I was just like, my, I had anxiety because you oh, knew really? like what he would do is just so, just so messed up. Especially with like the, that, um, the, the amazing part with that season where uh, it was like episode four, or, like mid season where she captures him, puts him in the cage and you really start to feel bad for him, which is a tone with a villain that I think is so unique yeah. in that show, but also in the comic book culture where it's like, oh my gosh, she's treating this dude like an animal. Right. And it is in response to how obviously everything they went right. through, but it was just, that, that's how well he did. And that's yeah. how well he sold the character. Yeah. And I'm trying to think, it's been a while since I've watched it, but did they, they did some backstory on him that I felt like humanized him a little bit more until, until the end of the twist where it, I don't know. It's really tough to get a read on his character because really? he can manipulate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like you, you do and feel sympathy, but then like, did he just make all that up? Hundred percent. So I'm excited about that. And I'm really yeah. not even well versed on the Purple Man, who is just who he was. Right. So. I'm not either. I like I. This is the one. Um, well, the we'll talk about this a little bit later. But the the whole Defenders run where we're leading up to it, like, have been great. But this is the one that was just. I thought it was just excellent. Yeah, the yeah. Jessica Jones because of of its. It didn't fall into the traditional like superhero um, trope a yeah. lot of the ways. Like it, you know, obviously dealt with some pretty tough issues, but it was written like a real TV show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. that's what I've liked about the Netflix series is that they're written more as real TV shows, less as like each episode. And and I mean, you go back to like the original Batman in the '60s, yeah. which was great, but yeah. like it was a s- different type. You know right. what I mean? It's like a, it's a single episode. It's just like a madcap. It's just a it's just a fun romp. And mm-hmm. then but then you have the Netflix ones that are a little bit different. So yeah, I've enjoyed them. I'm curious what capacity is going to be in it, though. I mean, if he's going to be it for the whole run, is yeah. he just like this kind of flashback, like dark figure That's for Jessica Jones? Like, yeah. I, I, I'm curious what capacity. Yeah, because it does say here. I'm just reading it. And we were talking about this right before we started recording that. He was, um, she did kill him at the end. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder what will happen, if it'll be in flashbacks, or if it'll be, if as as it is with all comic books, he's not dead, because they're never dead. Right, honestly. (laughs) Well, yes and no, because, you mean, with, what you're saying about that that show, I think is so accurate, too, and the fact that it's not your normal superhero show, it's really uh, on the more side of hard-boiled detective. Right. And uh, the whole alias investigations thing, it's mm-hmm. really cool that they've done with her. Um, and, and the Purple Man was actually a character who, gra- who gained way more credibility as he moved on, because he was, uh, I think, issue... Within the first five issues of Daredevil was his first appearance. And... Uh, Brian Michael Bendis, like he does with all of the all the characters he touches, honestly, with Ultimate Spider-Man, Spider-Woman, um, he did that with Jessica Jones and the Purple Man. He really gave them a redeeming quality of their character, and what he's done with, with Purple Man and her is insane. And so it's so cool to see them using his material. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, the next tidbit is uh, Sony gave us a release date for the Spider-Man spinoff, Silver and Black. Um, the story will star Spider-Man characters, Silver Sable and Black Cat. Uh, it will be directed by Gina Prince-Bythewood. Is that right? Yeah. It joins uh, Sony's Venom, starring Tom Hardy, which will be released just four months earlier in October 2018. 
That's like a busy quarter there for Sony. I didn't know Venom, Hard, Tom Hardy was starting in Venom. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That's, That's like amazing. within the last two months. Oh, such yeah. a good move. But it really bums me out, too, because Hugh Jackman said if he could have any successor for Wolverine, it would be Tom, Tom Hardy. Hardy. Mm. That actually would have made a lot of sense, too. Yeah, seriously. And so it's, um, it's a win, you know what I mean, yeah. no matter what. The whole Sony thing, I, it gets me nervous, too, because I think DC had this problem. And even I think Marvel stumbled into it a couple times. Uh, they get overambitious with their uh, titles that come out. And, I mean, if the first one flops, then the second one, and, and luckily for DC, Wonder Woman really came through with uh, yeah. the response that it had to Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad. Wonder Woman really just delivered in all areas it needed to. But with Sony, they've, they've run into that problem before where they set up for Sinister Six and, and Spider- Amazing Spider-Man 2, and they put a lot of eggs in that yep. basket, and it fell short, which is... Yeah. It just gets me nervous as a fan because my hopes get up, get really high, and then they sell the character to, uh, to Marvel Studios. But, you know... Right. right. Uh, what, I mean, I don't know much about these two characters, um, but what I am excited about... I mean, again, I, I see what you're saying with the nervousness, but what I am excited about is... With the success of Wonder Woman, um, that it seems that, and, and there's been a bigger trend in this in comic books for a couple mm-hmm. years, few years, but it seems like we're pushing more towards like either uh, all female like uh, leads and production yeah. team because it says it's yeah it's a, it's going to be directed by uh, a woman too, and so I'm excited about uh, allowing other voices to take over 100%. some of these Marvel movies and Marvel properties in on different levels like whether it's TV or, or big screen or whatever. Or even in the books, yeah. Um, I'm just I'm excited for that because it's been such a, a boys' club for so long. Seriously, seriously. Um, I mean, again, we're sitting at a table with three guys talking about comics, but it's it's I'm excited to see what we can get from these types of stories. And with the success of all the other mm-hmm. TV shows, it seems like you can do more of this, even if they don't, even if yeah. it doesn't do as yeah. well. If it's a TV, it's a TV show. No, it's a film. It's a film, yeah. Oh, okay. It seems like maybe they should consider pushing more towards, not this, whatever about Silver and Black and, and Venom, but like it seems like even Sony could possibly take some of these to the TV, to TV and it might su- succeed as well. So. 100%. You're seeing that with X-Men, too, yeah. all over the place with, uh, what, what is it, Gifted? Gifted and, and Legion. Legion. And in, well, Inhumans is not X-Men. but Yeah, but still, like, uh, and I think, I think I totally agree with you on the point where you're having new voices, uh, direct and, and produce these stories uh, because you have Black Panther which right. is coming up and there's an African American director for that which I'm really excited and about yeah re- and that movie oh my gosh so good looks so good every PS I feel like Marvel just has a contract with Run the Jewels because <laughs> in Luke Cage Iron Fist yeah. and now Black Panther all of their songs have been used in the trailers which I'm like awesome because I love Run the Jewels but anyways uh, you're seeing um, a shift in, and even in the writing too you're letting African-American writers write mm-hmm. for African-American heroes. And you're seeing, um, with the exception of Brian Michael Bendis and Miles Morales, pick up that book, it's so good. But uh, you're seeing Patty Jenkins direct Wonder Woman. And right. all of these, you're giving the credibility uh, and the, the voice to those who usually have not had it. Which right. is super cool. Which is funny, and we'll probably talk about this on other episodes. Um, and Cameron, I know you and I have talked about mm-hmm. this before in the past, but about how comics pretty quickly became a place for that, for yeah. voices to come through. And especially if you want to look at the historically, especially in the sort of the reboot of the X-Men, 100%. the second original, like the original team and then the second team where you have people like Storm and Colossus yeah. and Wolverine and all those guys that are all like international and people of color. 
and women and men and all, like all the different sort of yeah. variations you can have. Yeah. Um, so we see that and that's uh, comic books have become that way. Um, and there's obviously this tension between the reading audience and the people who produce them, which again, we'll get into in future episodes, yeah. but I'm excited that the, the sort of the, the Hollywood versions of these are starting to embrace that history. Mm-hmm. And especially with two, I love the fact that we're getting a silver and black, a, a silver sable and black cat, which is we, are, we also have to pay attention to the comic book uh, platinum age we are living in where right. we never thought we'd see these characters mm-hmm. in, in film at all. Right. Yeah. I mean, nobody was really asking for this, right? Like it, aside from I, camera. Right. <laughs> well, no, it's not. No, I would say that these are probably not ones that mm. people are like aware of or like, you know, saying like, oh, we need this one. But I'm glad that the student, I mean, again, whatever reservations we have about Sony, I'm glad that they're willing to take the risk. Oh, right. for sure. For, it's, yeah. They only have so many characters that Sony themselves can pull from. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they, so, so they only have so many properties all, right all the spider-man characters they have the spider-man and then the x-men right no that's fox, that's fox that's yeah fox. um but the cool part about sony is that um was it with these with these characters it's like it get now because this is the thing too the guardians of the galaxy movie that we saw um that team was created in annihilation conquest in 2008 like right. the groot rocket raccoon star lord gamora team that we saw in that movie um all of those were started in 2008 and even Miles Morales, who had a callback in Spider-Man Homecoming, he started in 2008. So these are characters that yeah. we didn't even know we'd like. And right. now we're seeing them. And, and like, how many people did, went up to you guys or told you, oh, I knew nothing about Wonder Woman until that movie. Right. But now I'm hearing people say, oh, she's my person. And right. I'm, like, right. yeah. I'm like, ooh. Yeah, that's so a good point. It's, it's, it's cool to see yeah. these voices being shared. And now, like... It's also letting letting people, audience members who have no idea about comics, into right. our world and why we find these characters so special. Mm-hmm. Like Harley Quinn last year was the number one Halloween costume, right? Of any, which is just like, oh my gosh, right? Right. I mean, that's again. There's there's a broader, certainly a broader trend in the last decade of nerd and geek culture becoming yeah. certainly more popular where it's almost to the point where it's become po- the popular culture. I mean, no, it's always been pop culture, but it's now like the dominant pop culture. Yeah. Comic books and, and um, you know, even with the revival of things like Star Wars and all these other, and the Star Trek movies and all that, where we're seeing some ones that our parents back in the day, if you liked them, you were sort of on the fringe. <laughs> and now it's almost the opposite, where if you don't like them, mm-hmm. you're kind of on the fringe. Right? Seriously, seriously. Um, but I mean, even that the idea of the minor character, the, the slightly less one, the well-known character, has been sort of the foundation of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because it, it really launched with Iron Man. Yeah. And yeah. it's not that Iron Man wasn't a, he was more of a second, I would say probably a second yeah. tier of the yeah. Marvel Universe. I mean, I always loved Iron Man, but but even that, like, and, and that was obviously on the power of Robert Downey Jr.'s performance, oh, but, sure. but this idea that, he, that it kind of kicked off with that. So I'm glad that that's kind of, that's been the, the trend, and I hopefully it continues to be the trend going yeah, forward. Yeah, 100%, because nobody was comparing, I, or at least I don't recall, I was in eighth grade when that first movie came out, but I, d- I never recall anyone. <laughs> I had, it was a year out of college by the time <laughs> <laughs> that movie came out, so that but, tells you that. But... I would never, I don't ever remember hearing conversations comparing Iron Man to Batman before right. that movie came out. And so obviously you're totally right and all yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's it for news. So let's, uh, I want to move on to this week's edition of Off the Page.
Brink here from Super BS, talking about the things you know you love and the things you'd love to know. Join us weekly for a podcast about video games. Mostly. Oh, yeah. All right, welcome back. We uh, are going to start our segment off the page. Um, since this is our first one, we'll just give you a little bit of what we're going to be doing with this each uh, episode. Um, every episode, we're going to take an upcoming or a just-released uh, you know, film or TV version of a comic book, and we're going to talk about how it was adapted and what we thought about its sort of the film or the TV show or whatever. Um, so we're just going to do that each time. We're going to take one that either just came out or is coming out soon. This week we're going to start, our first one will be about The Defenders, and that's coming out this Friday. Um, the Defenders is the Netflix sort of culmination of the, the four individual heroes, and that's Daredevil, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, and Iron Fist. So it's, if you will, it's like the Netflix version of Avengers. Um, mm-hmm. And that's coming out this Friday. Uh, and so I think all of us have been watching, keeping track of those. We've been watching the uh, the Netflix shows. We've enjoyed them but we just have a we just kind of want to talk about um each one of the either that we'll talk about the the past seasons and what we are anticipating what we're looking forward to for uh the um the upcoming series so i think we'll start with uh let's each go around and just say what was our of the defenders leading up series uh seasons what was our favorite superhero or what was our favorite season we'll talk about that we'll do it that way 100 percent, luke cage okay Uh, just like awesome the, it had something that no other superhero show movie had like had before. Yeah. It was that, and it was that like soulful side of things. It was but, like all those scenes in the nightclub, like the music scenes Ooh. that they had, were just amazing. They were, and it set the tone for the entire episode or show. I love Luke Cage so much. Jessica Jones close second because that first episode in the elevator still like gave me chills. Like it was crazy. Um, Cameron, my, you go next. Oh, sorry. My second, or my favorite was specifically Daredevil Season 2. Um, I'm a huge, huge Batman fan. And so, obviously, reading Dark Knight Returns, uh, Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen, classic, one of the best comic book writing teams of all time, uh, they, they got offered that book because of the work they'd done on Daredevil. And I knew uh, Daredevil was going to be based on, the Netflix show was going to be based on Man Without Fear. So I picked that up. Frank Miller, John Romita Jr., book was amazing and it, it it's panel for panel inspired by uh, that straight up the costume that his his first season costume was the man without fear costume uh but then also season two of daredevil was probably one of my favorite runs ever because it has callbacks to electra and punisher which is the whole original run of frank miller's daredevil which is one of my favorite comic series of all time ever so and that's that means a lot to me to say so <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would say, I don't know, it's a hard, so I'm going to, I'll say Jessica Jones because I really did enjoy Jessica Jones. I thought it was brilliantly written, brilliantly acted, um, as I said uh, before with David Tennant as Kilgrave, Mr. Purple, but also um, Kristen Ritter just, oh, just killed it as Jessica Jones. Um, I will say the other one that I did enjoy, so the, the storyline, the, the acting, the just the, even the cinematography, the coloring of it just made the whole um the whole season brilliant and that ending that end game where they're like in that i don't know what they call it but that the 
essentially room with the glass and the, like yeah. and the parents come in right. and yeah. just that whole is just was so tense i was just it, it gave me heart palpitations the whole time through i was just like ah it's so so much um i will say just a shout out to um daredevil season one as setting the tone for the netflix 100%. runs like if it weren't for daredevil yeah. if it wasn't as good as it was which i'm not saying it's the best of all the seasons or whatever but if it wasn't if it weren't as good as it was this the rest of it wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Sure, right? Daredevil, like Daredevil, set the tone for what Netflix could do with the Marvel characters, and I thought it just the visceral nature yeah. of that, like even the fight scenes, and even just the the way that they mined sort of what would be the psychological side of all of these characters, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So Daredevil, um, Matthew Murdoch's sort of struggle to be a lawyer, to keep friends, like yeah. to date, like all that sort of stuff, and then it carries through through the rest of them. Um, and really, that's been, I think, the common thread that I've enjoyed in the Netflix series. Yeah, and let's just get this out there. Iron Fist didn't suck. Yeah, that's, yeah, <laughs> Thank for sure. You. No, it's, <laughs> I mean, it was my least, that. I would say it's my least favorite of the four. Yeah. But I'm, it, did, it wasn't bad. Right, it was still great. I think it got way too much flack. Right, I, the reason I thought it, part of it was, and you can talk about this yeah. in terms of, Cameron, you can talk about this in terms of, like, the Arrowverse on the CW. Yeah. But it, it reminded me a lot of the, the first initial season of, Arrow with yeah. Oliver Queen coming back and like mm-hmm. suddenly he's a expert archer and all that. And same, same thing with um, Danny Rand where he's just like, he comes back and he's been missing. They think he's mm-hmm. dead and all that. And right. I, I, I just were some very similar plot lines. Yeah. I mean, they're comic books. So yeah, they're similar plot lines, but that's the only reason why I thought it, it's my right. least favorite. He just said, save this city like 10,000 less times. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, yeah. same show. It was, it was more just like, get my parents company back. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what Danny Rand was this interested city. in. Oh my gosh. That's uh, so funny. But yeah, but I mean, so it was, I mean, and again, whatever the controversy of having, you know, you know, Asian cultural appropriation or anything like that. Like we can talk through that, but and and the other criticism that I thought was weird was the fight scenes uh, in oh, Iron Fist, which I did, yeah, because yeah, they were just different. They're yeah. more fluid. They're a little bit more elegant than Daredevil punching his way through. Oh yeah, Hell's Kitchen. What is it? Oh man, the stair sequences <laughs> in Daredevil are just yeah. ridiculous. But I mean, like the drunk. But see, the one of my favorite fight scenes in the whole all four was the drunken master fight in yeah, Iron yeah, Fist. Yeah. Was just. I thought it was brilliant. 100%. So, yeah. um, or the, the, really, the Punisher jail fight. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> you have you seen that yet? Gruesome. No. Oh. I don't think I've seen the jail oh, fight. Oh, dude, that was season so gnarly. two of Daredevil is amazing. No, I haven't finished it yet. I, for me, yeah, literally, out of oh. any of those shows, that is the peak, but also just because it's, it's Frank Miller. And can we just, before we get into the Defenders, we're all super excited for the Punisher series with John oh, Bernthal, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay, good. Blessings. All right. 100%. Um, well, for, for, for Iron Fist, foundationally, I think that show is kind of set up at a loss because, because of the race right. issues. And uh, Josh, our sound guy, has just done uh, – he, he read The Immortal Iron Fist Run and, by Ed Brubaker. And uh, I haven't read it yet, but he says it's, – it's interesting because so many people – and I'm all for diversity in, in the universes. Like, like Zendaya becoming Mary Jane Watson – I, I had a narrative in my in my head back and forth, and I ended up being for it because I think that's just so cool. Uh, but the whole theme of Iron Fist that Josh says is the white man trying to insert himself into the yellow narrative and being cast as an outsider, which is a unique plot point. Right. And so when fans are getting all upset and uh, because they didn't use this opportunity to cast an, an, an Asian actor, it's like, come on. You know? Well, and I thought that it was interesting that I don't know if this is in the original run of like a, of the setup of the character, but there was some underlying 
um, not subtle, but under like a, an undertone of the fact that Danny Rand came into this monastery and stole the yeah. Iron Fist from mm-hmm. what could have been the rightful, mm-hmm. you know, whoever heir to it, whatever it was. Like, yeah, yeah. So like he was an outsider who came in and kind of stole that from this culture and then left. I mean, this was really the under, this was one of the major themes is like he left Kung Lao. Kung Lun. Kung Lun, sorry. Um, that's, I was playing, I was, no, I was playing Mortal Kombat. I was, <laughs> I was playing Mortal Kombat and it's, uh, one of the characters is, I think something like that. Yeah, Kung Lao. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he, he left to go back and like, basically as we talk about, try to get his parents company back. And it's like, dude, you were supposed to defend this place. Like, right, this right. is a really important place in our world, and you just left because you were some, you know, essentially spoiled rich kid. Yeah. And they thought you could. So it's like, come on, man. Yeah, like, cool. So I think there was some of that addressed in the series. Um, but I guess going back to the Iron Fist dear, or Arrow comparison, yeah. And I'd even, I'd even point back to you, Keith, because the whole narrative of... Uh, a, a hero going off on his quest to discover yeah. who he is and then coming back home to realize it's not it's not wh- how he left it that's that's the yeah. odyssey and well yeah i mean this is for sure i mean this is why when we think about plots in iron and comics you can't get too upset if they repeat because essentially they are all and this is going to be keith nerding out for a minute yeah. they're all archetypes they're all 100%. um heroes quest archetypes it's about it's about uh someone like you said going out uh, they're on a quest. They have a helper. They have yeah. an obstacle. They, I mean, it's very, very standard storytelling. Yeah. The point, I, I, from what I've always felt with comics, is less about the the originality of the storyline, the plot, mm. and mm. more about the characters themselves. Because yeah. the characters are unique, right? There aren't, they're, you know, you look through history, yeah, you have the old, like, demigods and all the... Yeah, the but none of them could, like, shoot lasers out of their eyes. <laughs> so it's like... So there are some unique features that they're trying to explore and like what would this be to be a human who does have the immortal iron fist yeah. and has to deal with that responsibility or I mean going back to the, very, the, the classic Spider-Man line with great power comes great responsibility yeah. so how do you deal with that? You are literally again not to go on this but you are literally a Superman. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like what do you do with that? And I think that's, the, that's what it's less the plot. I will just say that I mean what I said that was just why it was the least of the four yeah, series, yeah. but I, I mean, all of them, all of them have elements of that idea of, of the overcoming the obstacle and 100%. trying to become the, the, the hero. So. And yeah, but going back to the arrow, uh, my, you know, the, the only objection I really have to the Netflix and I'll probably get chewed out for this series is, is, uh, that I think they take too long to get to the point. They're 13 mm-hmm. episode seasons, and yeah, yeah. and I'm I'm a major fan of like make it nine episodes. Yeah, they could all be ten. And they, they for sure. Yeah. But because they take so long, and 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 a lot of people object to the CW Arrow shows because of this factor. But um, I love that they do those filler episodes where they fight King Shark, and it takes them longer to <laughs> right. get to the yeah. you mean the end game of you mean uh, Flash and Savitar and and Arrow and Prometheus. Um, but half the fun of those series in in themselves is the fact that, oh my gosh, Arrow just, just, just met the, the, the dark archer Merlin or him and Huntress just had a thing. And for me, just to see those characters come to life is half the fun. And you, you almost sacrifice that on the Netflix shows, which is pursuing the one purple man or or the one. Well, and they're much more, 
I, I would say the the Netflix ones are much more traditional, like cinematic storylines. Yeah. Whereas yeah. the Arrowverse is much more TV driven, like that yeah. old Batman. Like, 100%. It's, it's the, or with the, 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 it's like the bad guy of the week or the monster of the week. Like, yeah. it's more of that, where like you can have one off episodes and it doesn't hurt the overall storyline. Mm-hmm. But when you have, like, they don't know if they were going to do, or uh, a second Daredevil or whatever, or if you're yeah, building yeah. up to the Defenders, right. then you, yeah, I agree with you though, like 13 episodes is too long. You yeah. just make it 10 get the story out and then set up the next thing. Yeah. And other, and if it, if they didn't have those fillers, then it's just which, which fast guy is flash fighting today. Right. right it's like honestly. every season is By the just, grace of God. That's not going to be the case with the new season. Right. Yeah, so. And, uh, and sure. so kind of leading up to, I'm, I have my concerns about the defenders, right? Cause I mean, these big casts, these amazing casts kind of yeah. coming and sharing mm-hmm. one space makes me a little nervous. I mean, we saw how, Suicide Squad turned out. Oh my god! And I know that this is different because they all kind of have their own separate introductions, and you right. can kind of hit the ground running. But it still makes me nervous about all of these separate like storylines kind of leading to one place. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get what you're saying because the one thing I will say about the Netflix films is like the the bad guys, with the exception of Jessica Jones, mm-hmm. have been very ambiguous. Right. 100%. So I, I I imagine that this because this has been the through line through all of them is like is the hand and that whatever they're doing yeah. like in New York, um, but as long for me what I've enjoyed is because this is the problem that's plaguing the Marvel movies. It's going to come up mm-hmm. like, as soon as like once you're done with Thanos, who's next, right? Oh my god! So it's like keep yeah. keeping it small and keeping it character driven in the Netflix shows. I think if they can do that because each of the characters have shown up in at least one other series. Right. Right. So I think that's the helpful thing where now we can say, oh, now that they're sort of fully meeting, you still have the same individual issues. And as long as you can deal with those, because then it's really just a four lead. T- it's a four lead series instead of a maybe a two lead series, which they've been in the past. Right. Right. The only th- the unfortunate thing is that I'll be more upset at is if they don't do well, don't serve the other minor characters like Foggy, like um, Night Nurse. That's a concern, right? It's right. Like, yeah, they're yeah. going to sprinkle like, all those. Those are going to those are going to be gone, and it's just going to be on the main four, um, which I would only be okay with if the main four is just the defenders, and then they continue exploring those other relationships in the other series. Um, but I am excited. As I'm excited for the defenders to, um, because I think I, I want to see how they all interact. Right? It's almost like a, right. I, it's going to seem like a weird comparison, but it's almost going to be like a, a dark superhero like version of Friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like where, where they're like, good, no, you're right. Like where like they're they're all contemporaries. They're all because the weird thing about the Avengers is like you kind of have to throw these these big hitters in, Seriously. and it's weird. But like with these, they they kind of and this is in the trailer. Like they kind of need each other to that help each sense. other because in every single one of these instances, you've seen each one of them get overwhelmed, right? Whereas yeah. like yeah, you kind of saw Iron Man get overwhelmed for half a second, Captain America, Thor, Hulk. But like when they came together, they kind of when they fought together, it wasn't as much a collaboration. It's like everybody, you go there, you go there, you go there. Yeah. Where it's like in the fight scene that you see in the trailer for the Defenders. You know, Luke Cage has to protect. You know, like Luke Cage is is in the forefront. Jessica Jones is throwing people around. Daredevil has to like mm-hmm. kind of keep himself in oriented to the fight. And you know, it's like, and then Iron Fist can't just run off and do whatever he wants. Like they have to learn to fight together because they aren't. They're more human heroes. Hundred percent. And the the budget 
makes them a little more human yeah, too. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah. Um, Kevin, yeah. what are you excited for with the defenders? Uh, number one, like, just, it's it's always cool to see your heroes team up, and uh, I really love the universe that they've set up, and I love the hand. Actually, one of the biggest points I'm really most excited for is is what you're saying to uh, about the minor characters teaming up. Because how cool is it? Because it's all about the resurrection of Electra too. Right. Um, how cool is it going to be to see um, Jessica Jones talk to Electra and fight the hand mm-hmm. when yeah. she she's so powerful, and then you have a uh, Luke Cage, who's coming in to a ninja movie where he's like, I don't even, what am I going to do with myself? You know? Uh, and the iron fist thing with the hand has been set up really nicely too. Right. So it's going to be, see him. It's going to be really cool to see Finn Jones get really personal right. with who he's fighting. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's probably one of the big ones. Uh, but even with the defenders, I think it's re- it's going to be really interesting too, to see this take because I was looking it up earlier and the original defenders team is Hulk, Dr. Strange, Namor and Silver Surfer. Yeah. And yeah. that's Roy Thomas in 1971. So it's going to be really crazy to see this new team. Cause I, the only comic iteration I've seen them in is the one that they've made recently to complement the TV show. Right. Those are two like very different specialties for those groups. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, and I'm actually I, the one thing I've appreciated with the Netflix films, uh, the Netflix series, is that they are still connected to the cinematic universe, and mm-hmm. you see the aftermath 100%. of the Avengers. Yes. So, you, like, mm-hmm. you see what's happened when you introduce those big picture thing elements into the little picture of like Harlem, Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. Manhattan, like all like, you know, yeah. downtown Manhattan, all that. Like you see the different, what's, what's going to happen. And so the fact that they're really, they're not interested in the cosmic. They're not interested in the global. They're not, they're interested in, let's say, we literally have to save New York, not humanity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what, keep, as long as they can kind of do that and keep it grounded to that, I think it'll serve the, the team well. Yeah. Also a major, a major one that you just got me thinking about with the, with the side characters being introduced is uh we're gonna see misty knight and uh mm. i'm forgetting iron fist's girlfriend it's it's they're gonna be the, um, the, 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 the the daughters of the dragon daughter of the dragon yeah yeah both of them because you I mean you have the heroes for hire but then also they're uh, colleen wink colleen wink thank yeah. you so much you're gonna see them interact and at the end of luke cage you see misty knight go and and she sees a flyer for colleen wing right. karate training and yeah. so Obviously, then we see that theme echoed in Iron Fist, and so to see those two interact, and you know, you mean context, contextually wise as a fan, going in to see that, that is going to be so cool to well, see them interact. And also, uh, I want to say Night Nurse, is that her name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's been in all of them too, like Claire, so Claire. Claire, Claire, Rosario Claire. Well, Dawson. that's her, yeah. Rosario Dawson's character, like, has been through it, so that's interesting to see how they're all going to interact, so... Yeah, I'm. I mean, obviously, I'm excited for all those things and all these storylines coming together. But I'm really excited to see Sigourney Weaver as the villain. Like, really, that's yeah, gonna yeah. Be, that's going to take me back, right? To like alien based <laughs> stuff. Like, I'm really excited the to holes. see <laughs> how badass she is. Yeah, she's she's such a cool pick too. Like, she's a strong, strong woman. You know I mean, villain, which is obvious. Like, even thinking now, that's not something yeah. we see. And I'm glad that they're using her in a. TV in the small screen versions because yeah. like they've had a lot and it's great like Kate, like Kate Blanchett and a lot of other really great female actors have come into the Marvel Cinematic Universe 100%. so I'm glad they're going to use like a pretty heavy hitter in the in the smaller screens to try to reach more audiences and, and all that awesome. so this Friday yeah Friday so yeah. we'll probably at some point in a future episode at least talk about 
what we thought about it. Page, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll give yeah. you a week or two before we yeah. spoil it all. Right. All right. So that was uh, off the page. Up next, we're going to be coming into our top five segment. Venture into the pop culture cosmos today, where you'll hear our conversations on different topics within the world of movies, TV, video games, comic books, technology, board gaming, and more. You'll also get a taste of some of our other shows within the cosmos as well. So come on and join us each week as we delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. All right, so we'll kind of close things out with a little bit of discussion and opinions. Uh, so this week we're going to do our top, my top five superhero shows. And uh, basically I'm just going to give my opinions and watch Cameron get triggered on the other side <laughs> of the table. So let's get started with my number five, which is Gotham. Oh my gosh. <laughs> God awful. Are we waiting for you to finish before Cam no, jumps in? No, no, yeah. Go ahead, chime in on, do you think I've... Gotham should be higher or lower? Cam, you're up. Cam. I haven't um, seen Gotham, so I don't know. I, I, uh, before I even respond, I want to hear why it's your favorite and maybe later object. Uh, honestly, I put it as five because I figured you'd have a big I opinion honestly, about it. Literally, I read a quote, and I think this quote sums up Gotham perfectly. It is, they don't know whether it's the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight universe or the Joel Schumacher Batmans because it is a healthy medium between the two, and they've veered so far off the comics that I just can't even. Okay. All right. All right. Can't even. Uh, number four <laughs> is Young Justice. Oh, oh! I should have put that on my list. <laughs> Great. Oh, season are they, three. Are they coming out with the season three? Yeah, right? yeah. 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 It's going to be Young Justice Outsiders, which is so cool. Is it the best animated series out there? No. What is it? What, what's the best animated series? Superhero? Uh, or? Not, oh, Batman the animated series. Bruce Tim, Paul Dini. It is everything. Is it the best current animated series? Oh, that one, best one coming out right now. Absolutely. I yes. And the voice actors they have, voice talents, and what they've done with the characters is so amazing. I love that show. Okay, great. Uh, number three for me is The Flash. Great, I love that show. It's like my favorite show to watch weekly, so you're good. Okay. Uh, second is Jessica Jones. Eh. Eh? Jessica Jones is my favorite, but, like, I love her. I, like, I, I love what she's done in The Defenders and stuff, but that, that show was... Because the 13 episode seasons and just kind of how long they build up the suspense, it was just like when she like snapped Kilgrave's neck, I literally said like, thank God, like this is over. <laughs> you know, I had to convince myself to last the watch or <laughs> watch the last 30 minutes of that show because I just couldn't, I was like, I'm over this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's about the complete opposite you could be of The Flash, which is like the 100%. most upbeat like, show that I watch probably. I and then going the to, uh, you know, killing your family in an elevator. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then number one, we touched about it, is Luke Cage for me. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite. That one dragged on. And the only objection I have to Luke Cage, and I love this show. I think episode three was probably like the, my favorite episode of that entire Netflix TV series when it ends with Cottonmouth freaking blowing up the restaurant he's in. I just thought that was amazing. Uh, but the fact that they built so far up to Cottonmouth and like this guy's huge, then they kill him off mid-season and they have, was, who's the final villain on that show? Uh, Diamondback? Diamondback, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Diamondback sneaks in, oh, we're brothers. I'm like, come on. 
Be cool. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah, that plot twist didn't do it for me. Like, yeah. that, I was, yeah. But yeah, never watch Gotham. <laughs> Wait, so, so if you were to give us a top five, what would yours be? Okay. Um, number one. This is, these are TV shows, right? Bruce Tim. Yeah, yeah. Bruce Tim, um, Paul Dini, Batman the Animated Series. I personally like the new Adventures of Batman first, where they revamped all the characters for season four. That show is my favorite ever. I think the Batman, Superman, World's Finest team is, or episodes, three episode run, where Lex Luthor and Joker team up and Batman, Superman team up. That is one of the... I, if they did made the Batman v Superman movie off of that, I would have just been perfect. Uh, number two, Flash season one, because I love season one. It's, it's Jeff Johns and, uh, and Ethan Van Skyver's run of Flash Rebirth, which I just... My favorite, favorite, favorite. Every, every week I was waiting for the, the post credit scene where you're just like, who is Harrison Wells? I remember. Leave it to Cameron to like go into the season specifics. Oh, I am season specific. Um, three Daredevil season two because Frank Miller. Um, then fourth, I put Justice League and Avengers, but I'm gonna like cancel that out for Young Justice, especially <laughs> yes. Young Justice season two because yes. so so great. Wally West, R.I.P. Um, and then five, randomly enough, is Spectacular Spider-Man. Because okay. I thought, I think his name's Josh Keaton, who did the voice. I thought he did great. I thought uh, the whole Norman Osborn, Harry Osborn relationship dynamic was amazing on that show. And it was really just like a true Spider-Man personality. It was fun. And it ended too soon. So yeah, that was good. All right. All right. So that was our top five. Coming up is uh, Cam Reed's Comics. <laughs> This section is called Cameron Reads Comics, and actually it's titled after my hashtag on Instagram. So if you want to check out what I'm up to and what comic-related things I'm doing, uh, open up hashtag Cameron Reads Comics. Uh, this section is some recommended reading for you, maybe based on what we've talked about on the podcast, and really some titles that just get me fired up. So this uh, podcast's recommended reading, or Cameron Reads Comics, is Daredevil by Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen. Uh, they have three. They have an omnibus option, which is the full run, and a complimentary omnibus companion, which is later issues by Frank Miller. Um, that one's really good. That one has Man Without Fear and uh, Daredevil: Born Again, which are two great titles. But the original 1980s run that they did is uh, in in the original omnibus, which is I think 125 bucks. Uh, so you you have that one. But specifically, they also have the three volume complete collection which is uh, really awesome, specifically from the recommended reading. If you're balling on a budget, read Volume 2, which is uh, where I think Bullseye and Daredevil be, become, Bullseye becomes one of the most deadly, scary, terrifying villains in the Marvel Universe ever. Uh, where he, there's, a, there's an issue where he, right before Daredevil 181, which is my favorite comic of all time, Daredevil and him fight at a carnival and... Bullseye has gone so crazy mentally that he sees every person in the carnival as Daredevil, which leads up tremendously to Daredevil 181, where the entire issue is narrated by Bullseye saying, I'm getting ready for you. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to fight you. And eventually the classic moment where he ends up killing Elektra. So that is all in, I believe, Frank Miller, Klaus Janssen, Daredevil Volume 2. 
check it out and try not to cry. Well, I was excited to read it until you spoiled the ending there for me. That came out in the 80s. Okay, <laughs> watch Ben Affleck's Daredevil and Oh, be it's spoiled. safe to talk about it now? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's good. That's good. You think uh, Bullseye, or Bullseye would be an awesome villain for the uh, next season, right? They got to do a season three. Uh, well, it's like... Yes, I really do, but I think they kind of ruined it in season two because they made, I think it was, it was the hand who ended up killing Electra. But for me, the panel is, uh, the, the, the most crazy one is Bullseye gets like a hold of a cart or something and he, he like throws it at Electra and it hits her in the throat. She can't breathe and he just comes up to her and with her own sigh, um, sigh thank you, right through the gut. And so it, it is so powerful, and she crawls over to Matt Murdock's apartment, and she's just like she dies in his arms, and it's so sad. And you feel you're so ooh, sorry, you're so emotionally connected to the character that it just wounds you deeper. And so they did that on the Daredevil season two, where the hand just kills her, and kind of in the same way. But man, you kind of took that moment away from Daredevil hating Bullseye. I mean, with everything, he ends up breaking all of the bones in his body. Uh, you took that moment away in season two, but honestly, it was worth it because now we're gonna see him fight the hand. So. Yeah. Thanks. All right. All right. Check it out. Check it out, guys. All right. Thanks for listening. Well, guys, since we are a new podcast, uh, if you like what you heard, please uh, give us those five star reviews. We really appreciate it. Uh, Look for updates on Humanican Media Facebook, and you can find the podcast and download it on podcast.com or your podcast app. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. We'll see you on the next episode. See you next time. That's uh, to us people that can feel things. It it uh, it hurts.